Welcome and thanks for joining the Let's Talk Digital Marketing Podcast. Join host Mike Sharp of mikesonlineacademy.com as he shares valuable insights and advice, helping you to become digitally inspired. That's here on the Let's Talk Digital Marketing Podcast. But we can edit. I do edit. You know, this bit will be taken out, this first bit anyway. Just so we get into like a flow, right? you know, so we forget the recording button's on almost. But the thing about doing a podcast, Mike, no one can see what I look like or, you know, what I'm doing. I could be, I could be standing there doing all sorts of signals. You could be picking your nose. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it could be, you know, could be having pyjamas on. <laughs> Listeners, I haven't got my pyjamas on. I'm fully dressed this morning. I've got uh, my nice clean shirt on for this. <laughs> it's, also, it's also for ladies as well. I mean, they don't have to dress up to do a podcast. They can just, you know, um, you know, just be, you know, not have to put makeup on and not have to, you know, put their eyeliner on. They can just speak into a microphone. Don't, don't you don't you dress up to feel better? I mean, do do you feel yeah, there is. Yeah, I suppose there's an aspect of that. There's a. I always work. I always work in a shirt, and I used to work in a shirt and tie. But I always feel it makes you feel more um, work-like. Yes. Yes. And I think. I, no, I agree. Actually, I agree. I think uh, if you dress as if you go into the office, yes. if you're working at home, then yes. your productivity does. Does um, does help help productivity? When when I started my stationary business, it was from home, and I would always put a suit on to go to work into the dining room. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife would say to me, "What time do you think you'd be back for lunch?" <laughs> so um, I suppose I'm getting to asking the, the questions now. Um, but you mentioned the stationary business. Which oh yes. So was a stationary business a bricks and mortar business at one point? Or was it all on, was it run at home or was it, was it a shop or a warehouse? I started from home uh, in our dining room and I was probably at home for about a year and I was having to lug uh, boxes of listing paper in and out of the dining room and then I'd have to throw them in the back of the car, drive to the post office by four o'clock, stick stamps on them and put them in the post. And that's how I started, and then um, and then I then I got a warehouse in Blandford, and that that was great because it gave me sort of a five ten minute drive into work, and it was it allowed me to sort of get my mindset right. And yeah. then on the way home, uh, there was a pub on the way, and uh, sometimes I I might stop off there and have a board meeting with myself. Uh, <laughs> progress in the day. Um, but then uh, what happened was I, I, I was sort of uh, sitting around at home one weekend and I thought, you know, I've got all that stock in the warehouse. Why don't I turn it into a warehouse shop? And, and that's what I did. Uh, and it was literally a warehouse shop, um, a bit like Bartlett's, if you know it, in Blandford, just going up and down, you know, warehouse shelves. And it was great. It, it worked really well. So how long did you have the stationary business for? 30 years. Wow. I wow. know. Incredible, isn't it? <laughs> it's, 
you were like 15 when you started. (laughs) I was, uh, I think I was 30, actually. Uh, We had just had, uh, we had just had our first child. We just moved into a bigger house, doubled our mortgage. And um, I walked out of my last proper job uh, because the guy I was working for, I didn't realise it. Uh, it was an absolute psychopath. And uh, I vowed I'd never work for anyone else again. And I'd never, ever treat staff the way he treated me and all his other staff. Mm. Uh, but with it. So what was your previous job? Um, I was I was working for an IBM dealer selling um, XTs, ATs, if you remember them. Vaguely. IBM XTs, ATs, massive, heavy machines, uh, and Pegasus software. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what I was selling. And it was about the same time that um, uh, Alan Sugar came out with the Amstrad computer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there I was in this uh, IBM sales role, you know, dark suit, white tie, uh, white shirt, and dark tie, you know, the IBM sort of uh, suit, as it were. And uh, the the IBM guys came down and said, "Look, you know, we've we've seen this uh, upstart coming into the into the field called Amstrad, and our policy with that is FUD. What's FUD? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So we were supposed to go out there to say to people, well, look, you know, you don't want these Amstrads. I mean, they're they're cheap as shit, bloody chips. They're rejected by everybody else. You know, it'll only last two weeks, and da 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 da." Uh, you need to buy an IBM. But it, it was a difficult sell because IBMs were three, four thousand pounds as opposed to uh, an Amstrad, which was probably sub a thousand. Mm. Uh, um, that, that's one of the reasons I left the job is because I just couldn't live with it. Uh, you know, with, with sort of trying to sell on that basis of knocking the competition. I never think knocking the competition as a, as a, as a way to get a sale is a is a great idea. Uh, I mean, some people can do it. So, so that's one of the other reasons I walked out. Mm. And what did I do? I needed a computer, so I went and got an Amstrad. <laughs> what year was this? What, what, uh, what year was this? Uh, must have been about 1988, uh, 1987, 88. Yeah. Was born, my eldest was born in 86. And so it must have been around then, 86, 87. Um, and I, I was so impressed with the Amstrads. I became an Amstrad dealer. Right. And yeah, everything was going good. It was great until, and I had, I had, I had a load of stock of Amstrad computers. And I go into work one day and Alan Sugar said, we've just reduced the RRP by 25%. And I thought, yeah, well, I've just gone and lost. 25% value of my stock. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I then decided that perhaps I won't sell computers anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, and you, you are from a tech background. Um, not, no, I'm, I'm much more from a sort of accountancy type background. Um, um, I, um, I, I, think, I think I kind of moved away from tech when we started networking computers. And putting network cards in computers and putting like um, aerial wire around the office. 
I thought, no, this is this is just going. I, I'm not interested. I, I have no interest in the sort of technical side of computers at all. But you remember the days before the internet and before? Oh yes, yes. Computer yeah. revolution, where you had the old IBM's, Amstrads. Yeah, but I was never. I never had a Sinclair or a BBC or anything like that. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you used, used the big machines, the business machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I worked for the IBM dealer, I worked for an apricot computer dealer. Apricot have disappeared. But yeah. they were, do you remember apricot computers? Yeah, yeah they were quite funky machines. And um, so I, I worked for an apricot dealer and then I was headhunted to the IBM dealer. Yeah. Uh, but why did you choose like selling computers? Uh, because at that time, um, funnily enough, I think it was probably my brother-in-law who, who was working for, uh, ICL developing a desktop computer. Oh yeah. It's one of those conversations in the pub, you know, you want to go into selling computers, they're going to take off, you know? <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how I got into selling computers. Was that up in... Uh, Warrington? No, no, that was that I, I was living in Dorset then. Ah, okay. uh, and I uh, got a job with an apricot dealer in Yeovil. Ah. Uh, I used to drive all over Somerset, Dorset. I was doing about a thousand miles a week, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you'd go into a business, hardly, hardly any businesses had computers. It was still all working on paper. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to imagine now. Yes. What it was like. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty amazing. Uh, you mentioned ICL, but uh, I mean, they they were based in Manchester. Uh, my brother-in-law was working for them uh, in London. Ah, okay. So they had a London base. I think it's now Fujitsu. I think it, it, it morphed into Fujitsu. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, they they so they were developing this. I think it was called the OPD, the one per desk. You know, everyone would have a computer on their desk. Seems yeah. crazy, but that that was what they were working towards. Wow, wow. So I suppose giving up your corporate job and then starting your own business at the time, yes, was probably a. a I mean. A brave thing to do. Foolhardy. Foolhardy. <laughs> well, the the guy uh, the the guy I'd worked for at the IBM dealership, he, he was such a psychopath. I thought I, I I could never ever work for anyone else again. I just don't need to. I just don't need that stuff. What did he do to? What sort of? What it was very undermining. Very undermining stuff, um, and uh, deflating. Um, and he would come out on sales calls with me and he would just completely mess the relationship up. I'd built up with the customer who oh. start telling them what, what they should do. Um, and they didn't like it. Uh, so yeah. he didn't help me at all, really. Um, it, it, it was, it wasn't great. No, no. Do you know if he stayed long at IBM? Pardon? 
know if he stayed from uh, well, the captain? Uh, what happened? His, his he was a local the IBM dealer, and he was bought out by a company called Brickat, who owned Pegasus Software, and it was a publicly quoted company. Yeah, and that owned about ten IBM dealers throughout the UK. Um, and I, I don't know what happened to them after I left. I've not, uh, probably collapsed because I left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know what happened to them. And I, I think I think Pegasus software is still available, but it, it is uh, it's it's yes. not as not great. Um, it, funnily enough, um, I used to Pegasus was very expensive software. And I used to go around with um, a disc in my top pocket, which was Sage software. And people would say to me, well, this software is very expensive, this Pegasus. And I said, you want to see what the other, what the competition's like? And I'd show them Sage and they'd say, yeah, okay, I understand now. <laughs> wow. But, but then Sage became a lot stronger over yeah. the years. And I think they've lost their way now because uh, they were very slow, or are very slow, in getting into cloud computing like Zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are migrating to Zero. There's probably more customers with Zero than there is Sage now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and when you started the stationary business, was it quite a struggle to start with? So uh, on your own. How did I start? Um, I got a grant from the rural business development people and um, I bought a thousand names from uh, from a company and I wrote letters to a thousand companies. Wow. Uh, and I did get some response. Um, I did. And then I was I had I had previously in a uh, done something with mail order and so when i was doing the computer business when i was doing the stationary business uh i was persuaded someone rang me up one day and said do you want to put an advert in computer shopper i think the magazine was called yeah uh, so i had a small little advert in a magazine called computer shopper uh just selling boxes of listing paper three different sizes um and um and that's how i started it that that I got orders through that. And then I thought, well, I'll increase the size of the advert. So I increased the size of the advert. And then I had more paper in there. And then people started saying, well, if you sell paper, I want some ribbons. Why can't I buy ribbons from you? So then I went and sourced uh, printer ribbons. And then people wanted uh, uh, labels. So I sourced labels. And then they said, oh, well, we, want, we want discs. So I went and found some discs and started adding those to the range and then cables and so on until it grew into a sort of complete uh, computer supplies business. Wow. Uh, and um, so that's that's kind of how I started. And I went from one small advert to in one magazine to full page adverts in about four or five magazines. Yeah. And I did some exhibitions um and i then i started producing a um, um like um, a newspaper catalog uh which i send out um my dad has sent me um a newspaper catalog from a company in america that was selling listing paper and i thought it was i thought that looks pretty good so that's what i started doing 
Um, Excuse my ignorance, but what is listing paper? Right, okay, listing paper <laughs> is the paper with all the little holes down the side that goes through a tech-to-feed printer. Yeah. I don't know if anybody ever uses it now. No, I didn't realise it had a name. Yeah, well, it was listing, well, I used to call it listing paper. And there were two different sizes, 11 by 9 and a half, 11 by 14 and a half. And uh, it would go through dot matrix printers. Yeah. You probably never use a dot matrix printer, but it was tractor fed. In yeah. fact, my slogan was um, keeping the tractor feeds of industry turning. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what my uh, slogan was for my uh, magazine that I sent out. Wow, wow. And was this, was this the days before the internet? Oh, gosh, yes. So the, I started um, in the late 80s, and it wasn't until about 2000 that um, the internet started. Um, and I, I, I remember um, at the time I got someone in from uh, the rural, one, one of the, someone like Dorman, um, you know, the business advisors came in to see me and uh, he was asking me what marketing I was doing. And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up this website and uh, you know, this is what we're gonna do. And he said, do you know, I don't think I'd bother with a website. It's, you know, it's just a fad. <laughs> it'll be it'll be over soon <laughs> I, I think you might be slightly wrong there <laughs> so you really are an old well you've experienced old school marketing direct mail i suppose direct mail marketing oh i love direct mail marketing yeah yeah, yeah. i was sending catalogs out um and in, in when when i was doing uh started the business it was it was advertising in magazines and it was doing catalogs. There wasn't, that was it. That was that was kind of the only marketing you could do, well, apart from cold calling yeah. uh, or exhibitions. I used to do a lot of exhibitions um, and that was about it. But now there's so many different avenues. I remember when we started doing, um, there were fax machines came in and um, you know, that we, I saw that as another marketing avenue. Uh, and I had a, a friend who's a computer programmer and we set it up so that the computer system would uh, take people's fax numbers and fax them pr a price list. And uh, we had to leave this, this machine chundering away for like 24 hours, uh, <laughs> just dialing up. You know, it would dial up the numbers and then send a fax. Um, but I think fax marketing was very short lived. <laughs> Yes, yes. But I do remember the days when you used to receive adverts via yeah. fax. Yeah. It was a very early form of email marketing. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was curious about the, the thousand, you wrote a thousand letters. Yeah, yeah. You, you purchased from a list broker or was it like a random list? I think I did get them from a list broker and um, I probably asked them for, you know, businesses over a certain size in Dorset. Uh, and then I got a letter printed and um, stuck stamps on them. Yeah. And, uh, the post. and what was the response? Oh, blimey, that's like 
40 years ago. Um, I don't think it was great. I don't think it was great. I think that's when I realised I need to hone my copywriting down. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah. I, I, and the other, the, the other way I funded the business was that just before I left uh, the IBM dealer, I was talking to a client, to a potential client, and as soon as, as soon as I left, I went back to see them, and I sold them a couple of Amstrad computers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that helped helped me get off the ground as well. Yes, using uh, your power base, like your people you know already. Yes. Yes. Which I think is a good good strategy. Yeah. But there's something else you don't know about me, Mike, which I used to own laundrettes. This is exclusive. This is exclusive. I used to own laundrettes. I see the tagline now. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> when I got married, I realised that I really couldn't keep my wife in the style to which she'd become accustomed. So I thought I needed another income. And uh, I managed to buy a laundrette down in Poole. Oh, yeah. Still there. Um, Still may have, there. May have used it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, so, uh, I bought one laundrette and I uh, bought another one. And I had those, I had the one in pool for about, I think it was 15 or 20 years, something like that. Wow. Uh, that yeah. seems to me like a very great, you know, very good business model, a laundrette, as in a coin-operated laundrette. It yeah. runs itself to a certain extent. Well, yeah, it is until people start trying to break in and break the uh, where the money goes, the coin boxes. Right, right. We, we did suffer. Uh, we, we also had a, um, a fruit machine in there that was probably broken into once a month on a regular basis. <laughs> That's a good idea, though, having a fruit machine in there. Because you've got, you've yeah. got an active audience, haven't you? Well, yeah, the fruit machine took more money than the washing machine. <laughs> Did you do snacks? No, there was there was a chippy around the corner. Um, I think I think we did. Yeah, we did get uh, one of those coffee machines. Yeah, constantly breaking down and cups, sort of you know, some people not putting the cup in the right place, water everywhere, ingredients everywhere. It was a bit mucky. <laughs> not recommended. Which was opposite the Tatnam, was it? It was actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah still there. Yes. Yeah, it is. She broke down. We used it for a bit. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was an interesting business. When I when I bought it, the machines were absolutely ancient and um they were always breaking down, always needed repairing. And some of the repairs I would do myself. Um, you know, I was quite happy to jump behind them and change the motors and stuff like that. Um, occasionally electrocute yourself because you'd forgotten to switch the bloody thing off. That was funny. <laughs> um, but I worked out after about uh, six or six months of owning it, I realised that I could, if I bought new machines, um, I I would the the the, the cost what it was going to cost me to buy these new machines on a sort of lease arrangement or hire purchase would be cheaper than the repair bill. And uh, so I, I replaced all the machines, put brand new machines in. And not only did I have no repair bills for quite a few years, 
but it doubled the turnover because mm -hmm. people were would use a new machine. They felt more confident about putting their washing in a brand new machine um, than some old crappy thing. And so, uh, so that that was quite a smart move. And then I, I changed the dryers to um, I re replaced the dryers. Um, but it was it was interesting because we would get uh, people always trying to rob it or use dodgy coins or something like that tokens and whatever, and I was constantly fiddling with the coin shoots to try and stop this latest thing and I've. I've got a box somewhere, lead 50p's, uh, 5p coins. When the 20p coin came in, people realized that they were just the same sort of size as uh, um, the 20p coin was about the same sort of size as a 5p coin. And all they had to do was to clip the corners off, make it into a hexagon. Yeah. So we had that. Um, you know, it was in the, in the coin shoots, you'd we would have uh, like put magnets so that if it was, if it stuck to the magnet, it wouldn't go down the chute. That is amazing. Yeah. You're, yeah. As you're dealing with people, uh, I mean, because I've, I've been in laundrettes, there's not all of them, obviously, uh, but yeah. you get yeah. undesirables in there. Yes. Uh, which must, uh, but it, it certainly sounds like a good idea to, you know, you say you um, got you basically least least. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did all this experience with the laundrette and the stationery business feed into your SME assistance business? Like all the things you've learned learned from there. From those yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the. With the stationary business, I, I, the, the biggest learning I got from that uh, was uh, in, in the first couple of years, I, I never did any PL on the business. I never kept, did any accounts because my business was uh, almost doubling every month. I never had a cash flow issue. <laughs> and it wasn't until you know, the business started to level a little bit that all of the all of the suppliers caught up with me, uh, you know that the uh, the invoices and um, I, I realised I hadn't been making an awful lot of money for two years, so right. I had to, um, you know, come up with some accounts and start keeping my eye on that on that. And I think that was my biggest lesson, and which is something that I always try and get across to people in their own businesses. You know, we all get so focused on sales. Mm. Uh, that we forget, um, you know, about about sort of doing the PL and making sure we're making a profit. Yeah. So you've you've been at the sharp end of of business. Oh yeah, I stood on the stood on the edge of a cliff when I realised what, what what a mess I'd made of it. <laughs> or you're, you're from the University of Life rather than university. You know, someone who's gone to university, never had a business, and then. Says yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I have got empathy with business owners. Yeah. Because most most scenarios they come across, I've I've probably come across as well. I'm not, I don't want to sound big headed, but all, all all the nasty things that happen, like staff, you know, problems with staff. Yeah. Yeah. 
I could write a book on how to on on the staff issues I've ever had. <laughs> what's what's the most staff you've you've had or employed? Um, I had uh, I had I think nine staff at one point, sure. um, and um, I um, invested in software uh, that would automate the business a lot more, and uh, I I then lost i didn't i didn't replace about two or three staff so we went down to about six mm. uh, because the software did it did it did all the hard work yeah yeah good example of using automa automation yes yes i mean this uh, this software system would download the prices from my suppliers and we and the internet orders would go onto the system and then the system would say, right, well, you need to buy this from that company, and this other item from that company. It was just working out who was the cheapest, especially when you're selling ink cartridges, Philip Packard Epson ink cartridges. The prices of those changed every day. They were dollar related. And, um, you know, we would download prices from our uh, five main suppliers for ink cartridges um, and, and feed them into the system to see who was the cheapest that day. Uh, and not only was it dollar related, it was also discount related. So if a supplier, would, the supplier would get a retro discount from, say, Hewlett Packard based on what their sales were. And sometimes that was their profit. That was their main profit was the retro discount. And so they would be getting to the point where they had to get more sales just to get into the next band to get the better retro discount. So they would drop their prices to get more business, so they could get more more retro. Uh, so it was quite a game. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, using um, intelligence and using you know technology. And, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Being, being clever with it. Yeah. So when you so the stationary business, that did you sell that sell that off or Yes. Well, I, I had done it for 30 years. I'd always been trying to sell it. Um, it was even from day one, I, my intention was to sell the business. Um, and um, finally, I'd, I'd had one or two people over the 30 odd years who had come close to buying it. Um, but it, when it got to when I did the, the final time when I did sell it, I just I just had enough. I, I just, you know, he could have given me half what he did, and I'd have still taken it. <laughs> I just wanted out. Yes. Uh, I I because um, I know I've got three boys, and I know none of them would want to take it over. Uh, yeah. They've all got their own businesses now, despite my advice for them to get proper jobs. Uh, <laughs> they. Uh, they would never want to take on that business. So is that so, stationary business still going? Pardon? Is that stationary business still still going? I think so. No, I don't. I don't even think the uh, web addresses. Uh, they, they, I don't think they've even retained the web address. Um, <laughs> I did. I did look. I think last year to see whether it was still available. See if they were still using it, and they're not. Someone's <laughs> bought it, and you know, is offering it for sale. Right, right. Interesting. So you went from stationary. So what, what was the next 
next step? Was it Amazon? So, sorry, what was the question? What was the next step after the stationery business? So I sold the stationery business, which was um, Friday. We sold it on a Friday. Uh, I had drinks in the pub with everybody on the Friday night. Um, I'd walked out with the petty cash in my pocket because the new owners then, you know, give me anything for the petty cash. So I walked out with that. And um, we went to the pub, had a few drinks, and then uh, the weekend, and then Monday morning, I woke up without a business. And I was thinking, shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> it was quite, it was, honestly, it was uh, um, quite frightening, really. Yeah. No business, no income, uh, nothing. And um, I must admit, I was... I was um, quite involved in winding up my uh, limited from creditors, from debtors. Uh, so I was quite involved doing that. Um, and then I saw my accountant, as he would, you know, when he's sort of closing a business down. And he, he said, he said to me, why don't you um, leverage those 30 years in business and um, do business coaching. Mm. I think he actually meant do business consulting, not coaching, because there's a great deal of difference between coaching and consulting. Coaching to me is asking questions. Yeah. It comes out of the, out of the client's mouth. Consulting is just going in and telling people what to do, which is which is probably what I was better suited to at the time. So uh, what I've had to do over the years is pick up the skill of coaching, which is different. Ah, okay. Yeah. Coaching is all about asking questions. Yeah. Not making statements. Um, and it's, it's quite a skill to have. Yes, uh, isn't it? Between the two. Yes. Mm. So instead of saying to people you need to do a cash flow forecast that's what you want to do i will say to people well how do you manage your cash at the moment well i don't okay do you think it'd make a difference to your life if you did manage it do you think you would you know like to know how much you owe in march and you know, eventually people will say well yeah i could do that on a spreadsheet couldn't i yeah and it's called a cash flow forecast would you like a template <laughs> Yes, yes. So what, what year was this when you started the uh, business consultancy? Uh, 2016. Oh, okay, so it takes us relatively up to the present. Yeah, it does. Well, about five years like, I've been doing this. Yeah, yeah. And have, yeah. have you like had, has it been like, an adventure? Have you kind of met lots of Different, yeah. different sizes, different situations. Most most of the business I've dealt with are owner managed, which is pretty much what my business was, <clears throat> which was what my business was. And I much prefer working with owner managers. I have worked with a few larger companies that have got boards and directors and stuff like that. And um, I, I don't have an awful lot of patience. And, and so, you know, when they start talking about having to make decisions at, a, at their next board meeting, 
which is happening, you know, the first of next month. I'm thinking, really, you know, do you have to wait that long? <laughs> slower. Whereas with when you when you're sitting there with the business owner and, and between you, it's a collaborative thing. You, brainstorming is another thing I, I say I do. Uh, we come up with an idea, and they all impl implement it that afternoon. Yeah, yeah. There's no sort of well, we'll have to have a meeting about it. So if we're doing something like marketing, if we're talking about marketing, and they say, well, how much is that going to cost? And I, I, I would sort of tell them roughly, and they say, right, well, we have to go and talk to the finance department to see if we've got that in the budget. Okay, all right, okay, well, you know. <laughs> So, so that's why I prefer dealing with the smaller businesses. It's and, and the sort of stuff I do um, is can have much more of a, a bigger effect. Mm. With 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 large businesses, it's much more smaller incremental type stuff. But sometimes with with smaller businesses, some of the some of the things I've done with them uh, have been quite game changing, which is satisfying. Mm. Yeah. And so the business continues now. You're still yes. a consultancy. Yes. Also, you've started this new business, uh, My Flyer Inserts. It sounds, sounds um, like, which is getting a lot of interest at the moment from, from uh, people. Yes. Well, it's something I used to do in my, in my stationary business. I used to do parcel inserts. I did parcel inserts in uh, outgoing screw fix parcels, and that worked really well. Um, I had a, uh, a friend uh, that had a CD business, and he was he was going to do a hundred thousand mailing to his client to his customers. He was a quite a big business, and he had some spare weight in his mailing. And he says, Simon, if you can if you can get here with um, uh, an insert weighing less than five grams you can put it in for nothing because he had already paid for the postage it was you know, it's the banded postage and so i i thought great you know what i'm going to do is i'm really going to go for that and um i i thought what i'm going to offer people is a free sample pack of office stationery all they've got to do is to fill the card in i'm going to put in there I will pay for the postage to come back to me and then I will send them a sample pack of office stationery. Mm. And what I was I phoned up all the different suppliers like Helix, 3M, um, uh, Cambridge Notebooks, and I, uh, and I got all these uh, free samples from them. And they said to me, so you're, you're mailing out 100,000 cards. How many do you think you're going to get? And I said, well, 1%'s good. And if I get a thousand, it'd be good. If maybe if maybe maybe I might get two, two thousand response, two percent. And they said, great, okay, well, we'll send you enough stuff for two thousand packs. So these cards went out, and um in the end, um I, I shipped about eight thousand sample um stationary packs, and I had to keep buying more and more stock. To put in it, it cost me a fortune, and even my mum had to come in to work to start filling these envelopes. And she was about, uh, she was probably about seventy at the time, <laughs> uh, which it was just went crazy. Um, but the net result was it increased my turnover by twenty percent. Mm. 
that that uh, increase lasted for quite a few years. Um, you know, eventually those customers. I used to track them. Those it was an older uh, customer base that uh, the, the the original flyer had gone out to, and obviously, you know, they started dying off. Yeah. Uh, so um, that that was an amazing uh, uh, insert I did, and uh, last year. So last year I was talking to a client and I, an e-commerce client and um, I thought, you know, these guys, what these guys ought to do is do inserts. It would really be a good, good game changer for them. So I was trying to, I was, I was researching um, how to, you know, some sort of place that we could do inserts with. Mm. When I did it, <clears throat> you had to go through uh, bigger advertising agencies who would fix it up for you. Uh, I think with Screwfix, maybe I contacted them myself, but uh, generally you had to go through uh, advertising agencies. So for this client, I was trying to, I was researching where they could insert, where they could, you know, find this, a source of information about inserting. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find anyone doing it. So that's when I thought, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to uh, start a, a website um, and um, to, 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 to let e-commerce businesses uh, link up and swap uh, inserts. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea. It's great. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, um, recently, I've, I've, this, this week, I've talked to Naked Wines and Pack Coffee yesterday, and they think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. That's the only marketing they do. Same with Beer 52 they only do insert marketing. Interesting. They're always looking, hunting for new avenues. Yeah. Uh, and so I've persuaded them. I said, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in the smaller businesses. Would, you know, would you take um, inserts from smaller businesses? And they said, yeah, it's no problem at all. We'd, we'd love to do it. Because good PR for them, supporting smaller businesses. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, so yeah, it's early days. I'm still, still hunting for more people out there. Yeah, and it was, yeah. It's, it's you've identified a gap in the market, and yes. looks yeah. like that gap is being filled by you. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, uh, as I say, Naked Wines and, and Pat Coffee. They said they can't believe. Everyone says I can't believe no one has done this before. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's you know it's great to be on the on the crest of a wave for once. Yeah, and are you still running your coffee business too? I have been all consumed by my flower inserts. <laughs> but I I do I have got some coffee customers and I'm still supplying them. But I haven't been doing so much on the marketing front. Yeah, yeah, just concentrating on the my flower inserts. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I've got some uh, like smash hits type questions for you. All right. Okay. Come on. Far away. A bit more informal. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, what's your biggest achievement? I think having children. <laughs> uh, that, that's a bit of a cheesy one, isn't it? Uh, biggest achievement. Uh, I've cycled across Mexico. Um, I that that was a pretty pretty amazing achievement. I for me it was. 
um, I was I was heading towards 40 and pretty unfit, uh, unhealthy, heading towards 15 stone. I thought I've got to do something about this. Yeah. And um, I, so I signed up to do a Macmillan bike ride uh, going across Mexico. And I probably lost a couple of stone and got quite fit. <laughs> it was 600K and um, it, there, there was a lot of hills, a lot of hills. And I did that. Any bandits? Uh, no, they were all quite peaceful, actually. I didn't see any drug barons anywhere. And, uh, you know, some people said to me, aren't you worried about being kidnapped by one of these drug barons? And I, I said, well, you know, if they really want a smelly cyclist, um, <laughs> I think they'd be walking away. <laughs> uh, OK, what is your favourite food? Oh, roast chicken, without a doubt. Yeah, roast chicken all day. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, favorite music? Ah, uh, it's difficult because I go from classical to rock. I like all sorts of stuff: uh, piano, organ. Um, I was a big fan of uh, a big fan of um, uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man. Rory Gallagher, Rory Gallagher, I liked. Um, so, um, favorite, yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, ZZ Top. I always think the music you like depends on the mood you're in and the time of day. Yes, yes. But it, you know, if you ask me the same question at six o'clock tonight, it'll be something that's sort of fairly rocking. Now it's going to be something that's fairly calming. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm the same. Uh, favorite book? I, I, I'm uh, I'm quite dyslexic, so it takes me quite a long time to read a book. It took me two it took me two years to read a book uh, called Me Cheetah, which is the biography of uh, Cheetah the Monkey that used to be in the Tarzan films. <laughs> the biography of the monkey. It is, and that is uh, that is one of my, one of my favourite books. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'm just having a look on the bookshelf here now. I can't I can't see it, but that's yeah, that's that's probably one of my favourite books. Wow. Okay, I'll have to uh, investigate. Dig of the dump was another one. Oh yeah, dig of the dump. Yeah, and favourite holiday destination. Well, fairly boring because uh, for the past mm, 20 odd years, we've always gone to Corfu. Uh, my sister's got a villa out there and it's dead easy because we just need to hop on a plane in the summer and uh, go and get a taxi from the airport to the villa. Yes. And so, yeah, we just go there. I'm, I'm not a great traveller. If someone said to me, uh, you know, we're going to Italy, I'm not sure where we're going to stay yet, but we're just going to go to Italy, we'll find a hotel. That is just the worst thing for me. I need to know. I need to know exactly what time we're arriving, how we're going to get from, from the airport to the house or the hotel. I just need, I just, otherwise it just drives me nuts. I'm, I'm a complete uh, mess. So um, as I say, my sister's had this uh, villa for about 20 years. And uh, it's just like going home to home. So yeah. that is, that's where I like going. Sounds nice. Yes. Uh, and 
what is your favorite bit of business advice? Gosh, I thought you'd ask me this and I did remember something. I can't think what it is now. <laughs> I think it's just keeping an eye on the numbers. I don't care what business you're in, just keep an eye on the numbers. Um, you know, doing KPIs, having having six top KPIs. What do you, the KPI to me is, you know, when everyone's left on the Friday afternoon, uh, they've all gone home and you're sat there with your mug of tea, reflecting on how the business has gone that week. Mm. Uh, what numbers do you look at? And it's something I used to do in my business. On Friday afternoon, everyone used to go, I'd sit there with a cup of tea and I'd say, right, how, Simon, how have you done this week? And I would look at how many orders have we had? What's the average invoice value? Uh, how much cash have we banked? Um, how many new customers have we got? You know, these are sort of metrics that I would keep an eye on. And, you know, if I saw them dipping, I'd be thinking, well, wait a minute, what have I got to do to get those numbers back up again? You know, is that a trend? Is the average order value going down? Yeah. What can I do to, to get it up? One, one year, my New Year's resolution was just to make another 50p on every order that went out of the warehouse. And if I'd achieved that, then, I mean, it was just telephone numbers because we used to ship uh, about two or 3,000 orders a month. So yeah. you can imagine, 50p adds up. It's not a lot. Yeah, uh, it's true. Just a small increase. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, so, so yeah, that's 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 my advice. Is just keep an eye on the numbers. Yeah. And if someone wants to contact you, what is the best way of someone getting hold of you? Is uh, in or email, email, or uh, best is a phone number: oh seven five nine oh six seven three seven oh four. WhatsApp me, email me, or text me, or phone me. Okay, I'll, I'll leave those notes in the, well, leave that in the show notes. Uh, uh, right. recorded, recorded, done the recording. Yeah, yeah. You've been a great uh, guest, Simon. Well, I appreciate you. the time. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've, I've enjoyed it. And I, I, I've really, I think you're, you're, you're Parkinson, that's it. You're a bit like <laughs> Parkinson. <laughs> and no, it's because you're very easy to talk to. And you make it very easy. Um, oh, thank you. Um, you know, it, it's a skill. It's a skill, and I think you've got it. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate. You that. Winkle out all my dirty secrets. <laughs> you haven't quite. <laughs> <laughs>